0: Okay, you're listening to Rust in Shadows podcast, and today is February 5th, 2021, and I'm continuing in You Can Trust God with Jerry Bridges booklet. And today I'm reading on Sovereignty, Love, and Wisdom. So let's get started. Dear Lord, I just pray that this booklet would be a help to others and that uh, it would be a blessing um, and uh, it would mean uh, a lot to others as well as myself to um, trust you, Lord, in in every circumstance, and how to do this practically is uh, what I pray for. So trusting in God is a choice based on knowledge of Scripture and our prayer and an attitude of dependence. The first step is to approach the Bible with a desire to embrace the knowledge it offers. There are dozens of passages we could look at regarding God's sovereignty, love, and wisdom, but for now consider just a few. Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High, the Most that both calamities and good things come? Lamentations three thirty seven thirty eight. This passage offends many people. They find it difficult to accept that both calamities and good things come from God. People often ask the question, if God is God of love, how could he allow such a calamity? But Jesus himself observed God's sovereignty and calamity when Pilate said to him, don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus replied, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. John 1910 10-11. Jesus acknowledged God's sovereign control over his life. Because God's sacrifice of his Son for our sins is such an amazing act of love toward us, we tend to overlook that, that for Jesus it was an excruciating experience beyond all we can imagine. In his humanity, in, it was a calamity sufficient to cause him to pray, My Father, if it possible, may this cup be taken from me. Matthew 26:39. But he did not waver in his assertion of God's sovereign control. Rather than being offended over the Bible's assertion of God's sovereignty in both good and calamity, believers should be comforted by it. Whatever our particular calamity or adversity may be, we may be sure that our Father has a loving purpose in it. As King Hezekiah said, Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. God does not exercise His sovereignty capriciously, but only in such ways as His infant love deems best for us. Jeremiah writes, though he brings grief, he will show compassion. for So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. Limitations 3, 32-33. Many people talk about God's providence, but have only a vague idea what it means. I define God's providence as his constant care for an absolute rule over all his creation for his own glory and the good of his people. Note the absolute terms, constant care. Absolute rule, all creation. Constant care, absolute rule, all creation. Nothing, not even the smallest virus, escapes his care and control. But notice also the twofold objective of God's providence, his own glory and the good of his people. These two objectives are never antithetical. They are always in harmony with each other. God never pursues his own glory at the expense of his, his people's good, nor does he seek our good at the expense of his glory. He has designed his eternal purpose so that the two are inextricably bound together. What comfort and encouragement this should be to us. If we're going to trust God in adversity, we must believe that just as certainly as God will allow nothing to subvert his glory. So he will allow nothing to spoil the good. He is working out in us and for us. Is God trustworthy? The Bible is clear that he can always care for us. He is sovereign and that he does always care for us. He is good. But how can God care for all of us at the same time that he cares for his glory? And how are tragedies consistent with such care? God's sovereignty is also exercised in infinite wisdom, far beyond our ability to comprehend. After surveying God's sovereign, sovereign but inscrutable dealings with his own people, the Jews, the Apostle Paul bows before the mystery of God's actions with these words. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Romans eleven thirty three. Paul acknowledged that we must acknowledge if we are to trust God, God's plan and his ways of working out his plan are frequently beyond our ability to fathom and understand. We must learn to trust when we don't understand. So our final thought, in order to trust God, we must know him in an intimate, personal way. David said in Psalm nine ten, those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. To know God's name is to know him intimately. It is more than just knowing facts about God. It's coming into a deeper personal relationship with him as a result of seeking him in the midst of our pain and discovering him to be trustworthy. It is only as we know God in this personal way that we come to trust him. As you delve into scriptures about God's sovereignty, wisdom, and love, pray that the Holy Spirit of God will enable you to get beyond the facts about God so that you will come to know him better and so be able to trust him more completely. And I just want to say and add that um, I was just listening to something about Thomas Chalmers. Uh, A pastor was talking about how he was a very learned, scholarly, biblical man, uh, but he just understood the Bible from a scholarly uh, perspective until um, his eyes were opened after he suffered affliction and learned from all his learning and understanding of the scriptures, um, that they finally were, became real to him. And so this is my prayer, that the Holy Spirit would would enable uh, me and you to get beyond the facts about God, just, just the mere uh, rhetoric or the words um, that just are, are not alive, but they are dead so that you will come to know him better. So Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would teach me uh, to understand your word in a real way, a real reality, that in your sovereign hand that it would just not be uh, a scholarly understanding Um, and checking off boxes of learning uh, to know that that's what you accomplished, but more than that, that it would be a true reality in my life, the reality that the Holy Spirit is teaching me how to understand your scriptures and your word and to really trust in you. So this ends the, the booklet. And as summary, it says, God deserves your trust because he's completely sovereign, infinite in wisdom, perfect in love, It's not always easy to feel like trusting God, but trusting Him is a matter of choosing to trust because of what we know, despite what we feel. God's Spirit enables us to trust in Him in the midst of suffering when we admit our helplessness to trust, choose to seek God's help to trust, pray for the grace to trust, immerse ourselves in scriptures about God's trustworthiness, choose to act on what we know rather than in what we feel. So I pray, Lord, that in this situation that... um, May every situation learn to trust in you. Amen.